Today, on the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. If I've lost my job, is my career over and stuff? And of course it's not. It's ridiculous. People make mistakes and bad things happen to good people or you're in the wrong place or the wrong culture. So there's, there's nothing really to worry about. They're all just learning lessons. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about this topic, which we're actually going to touch on a lot of different points, but these are all different reasons why attorneys tend to lose their jobs inside of law firms. And the fact of the matter is most people will lose a job at some point in their career, not always through, you know, a fault of their own. But today we want to talk about some of the most common reasons, specifically what you can do to try to avoid some of these pitfalls. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to talk about it as well. Just to get things started, tell me from your own experience, did you ever lose an attorney job, whether it was through an action of your own or through a downsizing of the firm, or have you always made a transition away from a position that didn't work? For you? I've always made a transition away from a position that didn't work for me, but at the same time I was in a position, my first position was with a judge and I didn't see eye to eye with him. He was very hard, very serious Republican. And that's just, there was didn't see eye to eye with some of his, some of the way he thought about things. Not to say a liberal, I, I'm not really polit that political at all, but I'm pretty confident that at some point I probably would have lost my job had I stayed there. I did a one-year clerkship instead of a two and gave notice. But again, I was in a position where I didn't see eye to eye, if that makes sense. And so it's not his fault, certainly not my fault. What well, actually is my fault? I think it's your position as an attorney to to try to get along with the people you're working for as well as you possibly can. And and that's an interesting point, how sometimes you just don't see eye to eye with, with your superiors, whether that's in a law firm, in a courthouse, mm -hmm. or whatever environment you're practicing in. And that's definitely a, a good approach, right? It, it's better to take matters into your own hands and find a better situation for yourself, which also is leaving them, maybe leaving them empty-handed for a bit, but they'll find somebody who's a better fit for their environment, for their culture. So it's not always a bad thing to to make that assessment of, is this the right environment? Am I working with the right people? And yeah. it's not a bad thing to try to move up in your career. And you can always position yourself as you're leaving this past law firm position, not because things were bad, but because you're looking for something better. Yeah. In my case, I think I was, I was also, I was in a tier clerkship. I was making, you don't make as much money in clerkship as you do in a law firm. I was restless. I was, you know, in a small town. I was in the outside of Detroit, like actually not even outside of Detroit, an hour outside of an hour and a half. From my standpoint, what it taught me, I think that the most important lesson for me, that it, I was very motivated and, and doing, working hard and putting a lot of effort into work and being very insightful into things and producing my work product was continually getting better and better. But that's only one aspect of any job. And your other aspect is you need to feel comfortable in the, in the climate you're in, meaning with the people you're working with, and especially if you're doing work the way the people you're working for want it done. And one thing that kind of caught my eye, it was interesting is we talked to executives a lot and people that were general counsels and in different types of environments. And what happens in a lot of companies is when a new CEO comes in, they typically will fire or get rid of a lot of the people that were previously working for the other CEO, whether it's the in-house counsel or the CFO or just a bunch of people. And the same thing happens on embassies, like ambassadors are appointed by uh, presidents. And when a new president comes in, they'll typically get rid of a lot of the ambassadors, if not a massive number of them. People want to be around people that see things from their point of view and are loyal to them. And that's one of the greatest reasons that people lose jobs is they don't really realize that they have to be on the side of the, the hand that feeds them. And it's just a very easy rule. You have to, and 
If you're not, then that's not a good thing. That's a, a big thing that's going on in the work world that a lot of people don't see. And I think one of the main things that, especially with young attorneys and older attorneys and people lose jobs because someone in power doesn't think that person is looking out for them and, and that's it. So it's very simple a lot of times and very interesting to me. If you follow that one rule, if your work's good and you do a really good job for people, then people will want to have you on their side and, and protect you. And if you don't, they don't. And, and that sort of plays into the, the first point that we want to talk about today, which is one of the reasons, probably the most common reason that attorneys lose their job is because their hours are too low. And there's a lot of reasons why an attorney might have low hours, but usually they can be traced back to what you just said about not having somebody who's looking out for you or who's on your side or through one reason or another, like distancing yourself from those people. So they're not willing to provide you with the work. So can you talk a little bit more about how low hours ends up contributing? It seems like an obvious relationship, but talk a little bit more about this fact that attorneys end up sometimes with low hours through no fault of their own. And, and what can they do to, to remedy that? Anytime you feel like you have too much work and in most businesses and, and law firms and things, the big thing is it means you're probably doing a good job. People give work to people that they know will get work done. And so in every company, and I have these discussions on an ongoing basis with people, it's every day I'm having a discussion related to this. And most of the time, if people are giving you work and you're doing it and it's getting done, then you'll get more work. And it doesn't require the person giving you work to do a lot of follow-up and it doesn't require that they know you're going to do it and it's not going to create problems for them, then they'll give you more work. And so people get a lot of hours typically when they do the best work. And so anytime an attorney's laid off in a law firm or loses their job, a lot of times it's because their hours are low and people aren't necessarily giving them work. Giving them work may just lead to problems or it's just too difficult to give someone work or they don't do the work and they don't like them. Who knows? So work is a good thing, but it can happen a lot of times through no fault of your own. You can be in firms that don't have work, that are not competitive and that are not generating the sort of work they should be in the market. And there's just all sorts of reasons that law firms have problems. And if a law firm doesn't have enough business, if you don't have enough hours and they can't support you, then they typically will let attorneys go. That's, that's the main thing I think is one of the reasons that people lose their jobs. And, and it's a good reason. If your hours are too low, it just means that the firm can't support with the work that it has, or they're not giving you work because they don't like your work. Is that always the same thing as not having enough business or, or what is the difference between an attorney getting fired because they don't have enough business versus just not having enough hours? Well, as an attorney gets more senior, they can either rely on other people to give them work, which helps them get hours, or most of the time they have to generate their own business. So their billable hour rate and so forth gets to be such a high level that in most large law firms, they need their own clients and they need to be able to go out into the market and promote the firm and the work they do and bring in work. And if they can't do that, then the law firm doesn't want them necessarily. And it doesn't want them representing their brand as partners. It doesn't want them on their payroll and it, because they're basically people that are taking that they may do work and they may do good work, but they're dependent on others for that. It's just, it's almost like having a liability. They're, the best firms are going to be ones that have high standards for the people working there and they expect them to be able to generate their own work. Yeah. And it's never too early to start generating business for yourself or for your law firm, but sometimes it is too late to start. If you get to a senior level and you don't have any business for yourself, it's going to be that much harder for you to actually generate new business. Somebody who's maybe five or 10 years behind you 
who's out there making connections and building their network. Yeah. Most people won't get business until they get more senior, but they certainly can make contacts that will lead to business later. And then things can happen very fast. Yeah. Moving on a little bit, if you end up among the least qualified in your class or in your office, that, that can obviously mean you end up losing your job. But what factors are the partners weighing to really qualify their attorneys? Like, how do they determine who's maybe at the bottom of the barrel or, or who is not developing their skills as enough? It's the ability to get work. It's having good reviews after doing work. It's being hungry and being smart and coming up with good ideas. And those are all important things. And people that are very good at that add a lot of value to everything they touch are typically the best attorneys. The idea is you want to keep making yourself more valuable to the firm. And so the, the better off you do with that, the better off you're going to be. So that's the first thing. But the other thing that's sad is that when a law firm is working on a matter or pitching a matter, they'll typically tell the client, these are the people that are going to be working on your matter. And they'll send them a, a list of the people that are going to be working on it. And we'll say things like what law school they went to and so forth. So a lot of times when the economy is very good, the law firms will hire people that they normally wouldn't hire. Then when the economy is not good, they'll let those people go. The school you went to, your experience, your background and stuff, it, it does have some bearing on your employment security. And that also plays into the, or you, you touched on the next point that we were going to switch is how last in, first out, right? If you're among the last hired and the law firm needs to let people go for some reason that might have nothing to do with you, probably the most junior people or the people who were hired most recently are going to be the first people to let go. And and why yep. is that the case? It's not the case with all firms, but a lot of them do have that rule. They keep people with the most seniority and so forth are kept around longer than normal. And if you find yourself yeah. potentially on the chopping block just due to your lack of seniority, is there anything you can do to try to salvage your position or to try to stand out so the law firm realizes they should keep you on? The biggest thing is that what attorneys that never want to be let go. And I, and I hate to say this because it's not cool how it works is they have to provide the most value. So that means they have to typically work the hardest and work the lot, build the most hours. Yeah. Or generate yeah. business or, or do something to make you so invaluable that the law firm just can't let you go. Yeah. The more valuable you look, the, the better off you are. Yeah. So an another reason that people tend to get fired, which sounds very obvious when you write it out and, and say it out loud, but I imagine that this tends to occur inadvertently, or, or maybe people commit this act without realizing that they're doing it, and that's undermining a superior. So can you talk a little bit about how that tends to happen? In the Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. Webinars take place on Zoom, and you can join the next webinar by using the Zoom ID. The Zoom ID for this webinar is 868-9816-5944. Again, that Zoom ID is 868-9816-5944. You can also find more information by going to coaching.oar.com. Yeah, again, undermining superiors is something that can be good or can be bad. So there's different ways of undermining a superior. Obviously, there's people that have very thin skins, and if you argue with them and challenge them, they're going to get 
all bent out of shape and want to fire you. There's definitely people like that out there. Most of the time, they're not taking that seriously in the largest of firms, but they, there are people like that. Undermining a superior, though, can mean a lot of different things. And one of the things it means is you could go behind someone's back and anything that undermines them in, in any of that anyway can be really serious. If you say something negative about them to a client, if they see you making a pass at their uh, significant other or things like that can really freak people out. I mean, something that the person did wrong or making fun of someone. And so the only way that people can get back at you is to try to get you fired or, or to fire you. And that's what a lot of attorneys do in firms. It's weird, but it's going on all the time. And I think the more senior you get in a firm, the more that kind of stuff has happened. Yeah. So, the competition um, gets more intense and people will do anything to elevate themselves, which unfortunately a lot of times involves taking other people down and yep. you just get caught up in it. And you're right. You might say the wrong thing to the wrong person, not realizing this person who you thought was interesting is actually connected to this other person and it could all fall apart very quickly. So. I guess the best advice there is just to do your best to, you know, keep your nose clean and don't get into any controversial situations at work as much as you could help it. Or do you have any other advice for, for that type of thing? Well, you want to stay out of other people's business. You want to not comment in their personal life. You want to not tell other people that they're stupid or they're making bad decisions. And honestly, one of the things that I've discovered is, and this is pretty funny, but some of the freaking craziest people out there are the most successful. So there's just some complete wackos out there. Yeah. So who are you to judge? People accomplish, if you look at celebrities and stuff and, and things that they've got going on. I went to bed last night and, and my girlfriend was telling me how Kanye West is dressing his new girlfriend and that's fine, but he's obviously very successful. It's just, it doesn't matter. Who cares if the guy's a little crazy about conventional standards? And so all these people that you see in the world, I mean, a lot of times attorneys will act cra be crazy and they'll go at different things, different ways. And you can't judge them. It's not your issue. You just don't get involved, man. You guys gotta, who cares? It's like, you just have to show up and do your job. And those are the best people. The people that show up and do their work are just awesome. And I, I had that experience. You could probably, you saw this. I had a two assistants in the past year and one of them was just completely off the wall. And she was worried about other people's issues and all that sort of stuff and, and injecting herself into all sorts of drama. And one, and then and the one that's I have now is great. Just could, could care less. So you have to pick your battles is what I'm saying. And, and you don't want to get involved in the, the drama side of things. And you know, getting involved in drama that is us to our next point, which is it's very easy to lose your job if you act out of anger and specifically at management, but really in any situation, if you act out of anger, more than likely will hurt yourself more than anyone else you're trying to hurt. And you can definitely end up losing your job because it comes off as unprofessional. It can you know, if you're talking bad about the firm in front of clients, that's obviously going to make the firm look bad. They could lose business. Yeah. Anything else that you want to add about just why you shouldn't act out of anger? The big thing I, I think, and it's not really that big of a deal, but I, I do feel like I certainly am one to get angry. So a lot of people get angry, but anger really is a sign of fear. So people get mad when, when typically when they're afraid of something or when something, I think they fear is, I don't know, it's false evidence appearing real or something. I don't know, but it's, people get mad because they're scared. And, and so the biggest thing you can do is, is really, and when you get mad, your, your whole IQ goes down and you're just not thinking. And so it's better not to get mad, but everyone gets mad. But if you get mad at management, sometimes that can really hurt you. I don't know. Or in a law firm, it can. And then but you just have to be careful. Yeah, no, that's understandable. Unfortunately, it's also true that sometimes you just 
I don't want to say age out of a position, you get to be too senior and the law firm can't justify keeping you around. Why is that the case? People, they're in law firm jobs and, uh, and they get senior, meaning they, they get more and more experience. As people get more senior, they typically prioritize their family and they may hit a ceiling in terms of how far they know they're going to go. So they don't work as hard and they may not bring a business and and, and at the same time, they're also requiring higher salaries. So they end up doing yeah. less work, but they need more money. And it's, yeah, it's hard to justify that from a business. Yeah. So they just, they're let go. Usually it's just, it's what happens. And there's other jobs they can go to and hacks or other law firms where their skill may be more in demand. It's just, but that's typically, it happens all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, another problem that is not exclusive to attorneys, but maybe it happens more often with them, I'm not sure, is just your ego becoming too large. And uh, you actually have a whole article, and I think we did a podcast about how an unchecked ego can be the biggest downfall for attorneys. So why don't you just to summarize a little bit, why is it so problematic to, to let your ego get too large? If your ego gets too large, then a lot of times you're not open to new ideas and then a big ego turns people off a lot of times. Sometimes clients want an attorney with a big ego, but at the same time, a big ego can make it very difficult for you to get people to work for you. There's just, there can be a lot of difficulties if you have a big ego for a lot of people. So it's better just to, and the ego is a whole kind of thing, but the, the idea is like people, ego comes across in law firms in a lot of ways, but one of the ways it comes across is people think they're too good for certain assignments. They think that the law firm owes them something and should be treating them a certain way. They demand uh, respect because of past accomplishments. It may even have happened way before they got to the law firm, like where they went to college. All these sorts of things can really hurt an attorney. So the better off they do with their ego or controlling that, the better off they are. Definitely. Do you think that having this kind of inflated sense of self or this inflated <laughs> ego plays into the next point, which is how sometimes attorneys will just make it clear that they want to be doing something else? Do you think that's like an ego related situation or is there another motivation behind the desire to tell everyone that, Hey, I'd rather be starting my own business or doing pro bono work all the time. I think it has something to do with, yeah, I think it has something to do with, with ego, but I, th I think a lot of times people will say that because they feel that they're more important than practicing law. Other times people will say that because they believe that they may lose their job. So they, they try not to commit to what they're doing. I think there's a lot of reasons, but if you say something like that to your superiors and it gets back to people, why would people want to keep you around? It's just no reason. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's interesting because if you're at work talking about how you want to do something else, why don't you just go just do something else? So you're, of course you're going to end up losing your job because nobody wants somebody who's not dedicated to the, the business that they're working. In a law firm, like people are taking the time to train you, they're they're taking the time to give you all these sorts of things. So you just need to be really careful. And it's also true that your activities outside of work altogether can have an impact on your job security. So what, what sorts of activities outside of work can jeopardize your law firm position? I, I think when I wrote this, I, I think it's actually changed now because if your politics are too far away from what's expected in whatever part of the country you're in, that can hurt you. Um, if you obviously things related to crimes or dishonesty or statements about different people, statements that are against you know, different groups or people's other people, past accusations of sexism, you name it. There's lots of things that can create problems. And the, and the thing is attorneys are expected to not have negative things associated with, the, with their background because you're supposed to be representatives of the law. Anything that brings your honesty into or commitment or 
ethics into question are going to, can hurt you quite a bit. Absolutely. Just even in kind of pop culture, attorneys are perceived as like the highest integrity or among the highest integrity positions. So law firms need to adhere to that standard and maintain that appearance for their mm -hmm. clients. So that tarnishes that image of that reputation that they want to eliminate that as quickly as possible. Yeah. And it depends on the firm and it depends on the, the location of the firm and all sorts of things. One thing that is pretty dry across the board is if you're asking for too much money, they're probably not going to keep you around. Why is it fairly common for attorneys to, to maybe believe that they should earn more than they currently? There's always firms that are paying the top of the market, which I don't know what percentage of the attorneys hit in different class levels, but the firms that are paying the highest market rates are usually the, I don't know what the percentage is, but it, it's maybe the you know, few percentage points of attorneys are making those salaries, which is ridiculous. It's, it's a very small percentage of attorneys making the highest market salary. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to expect everybody to pay that much, but a lot of times attorneys believe that they're also entitled to those types of salaries or could get jobs paying those sorts of salaries and then are angry when they go to firms that may not have those sorts of salaries as part of their business model. And when I say part of their business model, all they mean is there's a lot of firms, obviously, that do it, but there's only so many firms that are representing Fortune 500 clients and who are paying major rates to those firms. Most firms out there are representing small companies or individuals, and then other firms are representing middle-sized companies. And But the, the majority of firms cannot afford a substantial majority, 90 plus percent, can't afford to pay young associates and so forth too much money. It goes the same thing with partners, like partners, there has to be some sort of logic to the types of salaries people are paid. So if somebody wants too much money from a firm that can't afford to pay it, then the law firm just knows that there's no way that person's going to stick around and, and or they're going to be unhappy or they're going to feel under pressure to, to pay them that money that they can't afford to pay. So why would they keep them around? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it just seems like in that sort of situation, as the attorney, you may believe that you should earn more, but you also have to recognize the level and the prestige and status of the firm that you're currently working for. Now, if you're working for a C-list firm, don't pretend like they're an A-list and they're going to be able to pay you an A-list salary. It's You need to understand your actual position and temper your expectations. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only lists jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. Yeah, and I, I don't even know that I, I understand what you're saying. And, and certainly I, every, what you're saying is the way everyone thinks about it. A list, B list, C list. It doesn't mean that one's better than the other. It just means that's who the clients are. I was, right. you know, reading today about an attorney that is going to work for, is get a, got a federal judgeship and the only place she ever worked was, I don't know if doing some volunteer, not volunteer, public interest organization. So it's it just the, the size client that a company, that a firm represents typically 
will determine how much they can afford to pay and the type of work they do for that client. If you're in a practice area, location, or some a, a employer of a certain size, they can't afford to pay it, then you know, that's what it is. Absolutely. And most people are only thinking like, what's in it for me? So they're thinking, oh, what can I get from the law firm? But they're not thinking of what am I providing in return? So if you look at it from a perspective of what value can I provide in order to get the salary that I feel like I deserve, I realize, oh, I should go find five clients that are half a million dollars each. If I can bring in that business, then the firm would be happy to pay me three times my salary. Like you can look yep. at it from a different perspective and find ways to make it work for you than just thinking of what's in it for me. And that never really works out in your favor. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's, and there's other things too. It's it's like one example has always been that I think is an interesting example is we have New York City and then you have upstate New York, which is like Syracuse, Rochester, like all those areas. And if you work in New York City, you'll make two, two and a half times as much, but you'll also have housing expenses that are three times as much. And then you'll have more taxes. You have city taxes and all these different things. And then your insurance is more. I've seen people leave positions in New York City paying, say, I don't know, let's just hypothetically, but half a million dollars a year and then move to maybe Syracuse and make 125 a year and their standard of living so much. So it, a lot of it's where you live. It's where there's just all sorts of things that worst salary comes into play. Absolutely. And that could almost be a podcast on its own, right? Just this whole idea yeah. of work-life balance and how to get the most out of what you currently have and, mm -hmm. and not constantly expect more, but that's a topic for another day. The, the next point on today's topic is how, if you question the quality of a superior's work, intellect, or abilities, that is almost certainly going to result in you losing your job. And that kind of, you know, goes along the lines of undermining a, a superior. So is there anything else you want to add to this? Or do you feel like we've already covered? No, I think you have a covered. I don't know that you're certain to lose your job if you do that, but it definitely doesn't help. And employers don't, and depending on who you do that with, it, it can hurt you. Definitely. Absolutely. Now, what about if you make a dumb mistake at a, an office party or a retreat? Maybe those aren't as common now with COVID, but assuming that those types of things are still happening. What can you do to avoid getting yourself in a situation, a office party or some sort of organized event? I would say if you like to drink, you probably shouldn't drink at a party. If you are attracted to someone, you probably should, you probably should avoid them. I, I just think you need to be very careful when it involves your employer. You can do all that stuff other places, but you just, you can't, you have to be really careful. If you you, you can't get too friendly with people that are your superiors. You have to maintain a respectful distance. And so people make mistakes like this all the time. I've seen just so many freaking people have a lot of problems with that. You just, uh, a party is just an opportunity for you to show and be respectful and nice, but just to, to, to avoid getting in trouble really is, is what I would say. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Actually, I, I liked your advice about if you like to drink, well, do the opposite. Basically... Yeah. Know thyself, understand what your weaknesses are, and then do everything you can to avoid them or not even put yourself near temptation. Yeah, there's certain people saying, like, yeah, sorry, what? Oh, there's a saying, don't defecate where you eat. And that's what this comes down to is don't mess up your livelihood just because you might want to have a chance with this person or because you can't wait to drink until the bar after. Yeah, if that's a whole separate discussion. If, you, if you're if you a philander and meeting lots of people, then that's the last place in the world you want to do it. And if you're a drinker, same thing. If you like making jokes, dirty jokes, that's the last place in the world to do it, all those kind of things. Yeah. Exactly. You can go find a much more receptive audience for those activities. Oh, yeah.
So one thing that tends to happen that really is outside your control is that after a merger or an acquisition, the firm becomes uh, under new management. What are some of the factors that lead to people losing their jobs after a management takeover? All sorts of things can happen. The new law firm, usually there's a, a merger is often not a merger of equals. It's a merger of a stronger firm taking over a smaller firm or a less dominant firm. So they will let people go. They will ax different practice areas They'll that may not be profitable for them. They'll, they'll get rid of offices. Just all sorts of things can happen. All I would say is if you're let, let go into mergers, it's not really your fault. It's just kind of what the firm's doing. Yeah. And then if you are let go under these sorts of circumstances, what can you do to keep your career moving forward and not let too big of an employment gap develop on your resume? One of the things that I always preach is you need to go all out and you need to do everything you possibly can to get a position right away. And that's, in my opinion, the most important thing and at the best firm possible and look at multiple markets and do whatever you need to do, but you need to, you want to land on your feet. But the big thing is that anytime a firm merges, the the attorneys inside the firm that are let go often will start interviewing and try to find other places to go. So you want to do whatever you can to involve yourself in those discussions. That's a really good point. If several other people are let go at the same time, there's going to be increased competition in your market for the few available positions. So that's when it really can pay off to like a legal placement service or just use other sites, other services to help you get your application, your information in front of as many people as possible as quickly as What about if you were to just take an extended leave of absence? What if you need to go away for, there's any number of reasons why somebody might need to take a leave, but how can that result in you losing your job and factors might make it more or less likely for you to be let go? The big thing is once you take a leave of absence and leave the practice of law for an extended period of time, the law firm becomes under the impression that it may not be your number one commitment. And most people that take a leave of absence uh, for an extended period of time, meaning it's not, it's, you're talking like months. And when people that do that, the law firm assumes that, that they'll just leave at some point in the future. Almost everyone that takes a leave of absence comes back and never stays longer than a year, or maybe two years. They, they just quit. So it's just what it is. So there's nothing wrong with that. If people don't like it. But there's a saying too, that if you take a break from something for too long, you never go back to it. For example, like with pilots, like if they stop flying for a month or two, like they often never come back. Like even, and so there's a lot of famous examples, partner of the pilot that landed on the Hudson, that famous landing where oh. he never went back to fly. It's just people that leave something for similar to me. Like I left the practice law and never looked back. So most people, even when they come back, aren't really, their head's not in it anymore. They, and so that's the problem. And so the law firm, most law firms think if you've left for a long period of time or for, and then you're just not going to be committed and you're not going to want to do it anymore. And, they, and they're usually right. So not always it's those exceptions, like women that often will take a leave of absence to have babies and take care of their kids. But honestly, like I know a lot of very successful women and I, and I was talking to one of them not too long ago and she's saying, you know, that she was one hour out of labor and on the phone doing calls. So it was just crazy. Wow. And I know her, but it's just what it is. So. Yeah. It, it says a lot too about your level of dedication. If you are like fresh out of labor and, and right back at it. You're more than likely out there generating business or you're one of the top performers. So all of this right. kind of plays hand in hand. Like it's never usually just any one of these factors that results in you losing a job. It's probably two or three or maybe even more. 
Yeah, it's not, there's it, nothing wrong with taking a leave of absence. Most attorneys that are very successful that are in their 50s, 60s and stuff so forth have never taken a leave of absence. That's all. Right. Yeah. They take vacations and take two weeks and, off or three weeks. Yeah. And that's a fair point. It's like everyone does need some time to just decompress or de-stress, yeah. to spend some time with family or family yeah. reunions, that sort of thing. So we're not talking about those sorts of short leaves. We're talking about like a, a sabbatical or actually is going away for longer than what is typically expected. Yeah. Just, and it's just, cause you just, it's just a sign that the person may not want to do what they're doing. That's all. Yeah. What, what about like allegations of harassment or substance abuse problems? These seem like very cut and dry cases where people are let go. Can you think of any extenuating circumstances or what, when is this, when does this happen? Maybe that people aren't even aware. Can you think of any examples of somebody let go for harassment? They didn't even realize they were a problem. Do you ever see that? It's a hot button issue. And yeah, I do. I've seen people like, I saw one person I know let go for sexual harassment because he was accused of playing footsie with someone under a table and he was like, <laughs> and he didn't even know what they were talking about. And, oh my God. and the person that accused him of it wasn't even like a hetero, I, I don't know, it's just, he was preposterous. But the point is that even though it is preposterous and it sounds preposterous, the tendency now is just if people hear about this stuff that they're going to blackball you and it's just the whole society. So you have to, you just have to steer clear with it and, and avoid any appearance of impropriety. And that's just what it is. That's the thing is you have to be so extra careful now. Like you have to really go out of your way to make sure that you are being considerate and courteous and, and you're not saying anything that can be even slightly misconstrued because you'll never get a chance to defend yourself. It's going to be over before you even realize that you were playing footsie. And the big thing in, in society is it's just things are like, have always been like this. It used to be the church and then but before the church, I'm sure it was other things. It was, but so there's groups and people that are always struggling for power and, and, and resources and recognition. So you just have to realize that, that, that struggle everywhere you turn, you're involved in a struggle and other people are involved in the struggle. And it's just, it's, it's what it is. And it's not to say that, that the majority of our allegations are probably not, are not true because they probably are. It's just. You have to be very careful of getting involved in that. So if you're accused of anything like that, you'll, you can definitely lose your job. I, I know one guy that lost his job as a partner at a big firm because an associate said that there was a, a rip in his jeans. Oh. So I just, and the, so you have to be careful. And then the substance abuse, I, substance abuse. I, I think most law firms, of course, in our business, we've run across a lot of people that have substance abuse problems. And most times if someone gets their act together, they're in great shape. So they're usually given one chance or two chances. And usually substance abuse problems can be, can be a sign of something else is wrong, but some people are just addicted to things and that's what it is. And then they have to fix it. But that can impact the practice of law because you're obviously paid for your brain. So. Exactly. And and also if you're doing something that's breaking the law, let's say they're illegal substances, then there goes your integrity too. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Another reason that people tend to lose their jobs is just refusing to do certain assignments or, or types of work. And why does that tend to happen? Like why would an attorney refuse certain types of work? That's because their ego, they may think they're too good to do it. And, and that's just a problem with, with the attorney. The attorney mean, that means the attorney is putting themselves first uh, and not the group. And that's just not good. If, if you're asked in a law firm to, to do something, you pretty much have to do it. If you don't, you'll you can get away with it at some places, but most of the time you won't. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it goes back to the idea of not undermining your superiors and just not being on, on, this, on the side of 
looking out for only yourself. Like you want to be perceived as a team player. You want to be perceived as somebody who's and is looking to help out and that's going to help you actually move up and ensure your job security. This is one that probably I would imagine if, if you did lie on your resume that they would find out sooner rather than later. But have you ever seen the case where somebody was maybe several years into a job and then the employer found out that something was not true and, and let them go? Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. It's usually about big things, though, bar admission or having graduated from a certain law school. But yeah, if a law firm finds out you've done something you lied in your resume, you can definitely get into trouble. For the most part, uh, I think that you don't hear about it because law firms are hired by clients and they need to present a certain face to their clients about what they do. But yeah, definitely. I've seen a lot of people lose their job for that. And I don't know why people lie in their resume. It doesn't really serve any purpose, but they do. Yeah. Now, th this next one is about if your collections are low compared to the number of hours that you bill. And, and how does that sort of play out for an attorney? Like, how can you make sure that doesn't happen? It's just, it's more for senior attorneys. It would be like if you were given a, a memo to do and it should take five hours and you build a hundred hours on it. And every time you got an assignment, you overbilled or overworked. The law firm can't bill hundred hours on the assignments or, or charge the client that. So if every assignment you get, you're overbilling, that means that you're not profitable as all. Well. So that's understandable. Yeah. The next point is that if you're caught lying, the, the firm would let you go, which we've already talked about several times. And it definitely for an attorney, that's just, there's no reason that you should be lying about anything. You, right. that, that's the one thing that maybe in, in pop culture, people perceive attorneys as liars, but that's not actually how it is. Like the, you have to, the truth and always, even if you're defending somebody who may have done something wrong, like you can't lie about what they did. So you can't lie about yourself. Yeah. Attorneys will lie or play games with the other side and stuff uh, in negotiations and probably don't get fired for that. But the, the idea is if you lie to your tribe, meaning the people that, you know, you're working with as a group, then that can definitely get you in some trouble. It can hurt you. And, and it may not be the case that you're fired immediately, but you might stop being given work because people no longer trust you. They don't want to work with you. And so all of these other factors then start to play in and, and everything just unravels. So the, the next point is about how if the firm slows down in its work, then you might end up losing your job. But I would imagine there's some other factors that have to contribute in, in that case, right? Yeah. If the firm slows down, the firm, a lot of times things will happen, like there'll, there'll be a, like something will happen in the economy or all sorts of things can happen. And so then the law firms, a lot of times will lay off large groups of attorneys just to be safe. And so it always happens. It happens. It hasn't happened in a while, but it tends to happen every eight, eight or nine years. So every eight or nine years, there tends to be some sort of shock to the economy. And then when that happens, they lay a lot of people off. And, and so it's just that that's a problem. One of the problems of the legal industry at large law firms is that happens a lot. And then individual firms, the same thing happens. Anytime the work slows down and they feel like they're not going to be profitable unless you let people go, they'll, they'll fire people. Yeah. Now, another reason you mentioned that an attorney who gets sued for malpractice might lose their job, even if they, they're not at fault. So how comes to happen? Is it just because it makes the firm look bad or is there more to it? 
Well, usually if someone's sued for malpractice, there's typically a reason for it. But uh, a lot of times attorneys are sued for malpractice and it just goes with the business territory. It doesn't mean they've done anything wrong. But for the most part, if an attorney is sued for malpractice and they've done something egregious, the, the law firm may not fire them while the case is going on to defend themselves. But after the case happens, they, they will often let them go. Yeah, that makes sense. The reason is just not being easy to work with. And that can mean a lot of things. It can mean different things to a lot of different people. But what mm -hmm. are some, maybe some common themes that you've seen or what makes in particular an attorney difficult? It can be not doing assignments, not explaining things well, making people feel very negative, which is uh, almost taught to attorneys because there's scare the other side. There's things like that. I, I think that there's quite a bit that goes into this. If they're, if they just ask a lot of questions or if everything they touch goes to crap, then, you know, all those things can create problems. And so those, that's, they just have to be very careful. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when it comes to going the extra mile, obviously every boss, every partner is going to want their entire team to go the extra mile and the individuals are going to want to save some of themselves for themselves, for their family, to try to find the work-life balance. How can you toe that line between not giving too much of yourself, but still being willing to go the extra mile and, and stand? Going the extra mile means doing extra work or, or things that people would expect to be done to complete an assignment or to get things done or asking the additional questions. And so people that are good at their jobs do those things, people that typically will not. And so you just have to be able to, to do extra work. You have to be able to work extra hours when necessary. People just need to be able to rely on you. Yeah. And playing hand in hand with that is if you have a bad attitude, then you're, you're probably not going to stick around very long. And what can contribute to an attorney just developing a bad attitude over time? And how can they either prevent that or if they already have a bad attitude, what can they do to You have to enjoy what you're doing and you have to, and if you have a bad attitude, that just means that it's, you, you need to be very careful about, about the people you work with. You need to be, you can't, if you have a bad attitude, people just don't want to give you work, but you have to be positive and you have to have some leadership skills and people that, that are not excited about their work and stuff or what they're doing, just law firms don't want to give them work. If the law firm just doesn't like your work, if they think it's poor quality or mm -hmm. anything else like that, what, what, how, why does that tend to happen? Like why would a law firm hire somebody, but then later on end up not liking the, their work? Well, a lot of times people will start making lots of careless errors, do things improperly though. There's just a lot of things that the firm would not like their work. They'll miss major legal issues. So if the firm doesn't see you're doing good work, that can do a lot of heart hurt you quite a bit. Yeah. And that definitely makes sense. And there's probably some other factors that might contribute to your work quality going down, but it's very important to put that first and foremost and keep the quality of your work up, even in spite of whatever else is happening in your life. And just to, to maybe help some of the listeners who might be in a situation like this, like at what point should they say to the employer, Hey, I have enough work. I want to make sure that I'm doing the work that I have as well as I can. I'm not able to take on any new assignments. Like how do they navigate those? You need to be very careful with doing that in a law firm. So it depends on the law firm, but the, the way law firms look at that statement is that you should not be saying that unless really you just don't have any more bandwidth to do more work. I, 
I agree that that's an important thing to say. And I think if people are doing sloppy work and they don't have the, the time, then they shouldn't be doing that. But the problem is it's hard in law firms to make those excuses because if you make those excuses, many times law firms just won't buy it. And, and then when the person does have less work, they'll still make stupid errors. You have to be able to control it. It's different in different environments and different law firms. The best law firms expect you to be churning out work that is, is exceptional. And if you're not doing that, you're going to be, even in terms of being proofread carefully and not making errors, having legal principles thought through and so forth and uh, not missing them. And if you're making those mistakes, it's harmful. Now, another mistake that you might make inadvertently is working for a law firm that doesn't really fit you're, you're not a fit for their culture. So how can you try to identify the culture of a law firm before you start working there? So you can make sure that you don't end up in a mismatch like that. Many times you'll get a set up. You get a very good sense of it when you're interviewing and, and on the things that you say in the interview click with what they think is important. And then what you think is important, click with what they think is important. And, and so most of the time people will pick up on that kind of stuff. And, and that's really the, that's in my opinion, the, the best, the best way to understand it. Yeah. I think the same thing with like office politics too. Like how can you make sure you don't end up on the wrong side of it? I just think that you don't want to participate in it. Or if you are, you want to be with someone who's very powerful in the firm. It's just, it doesn't do you any good, uh, especially the young attorney, be part of yeah. it. That, that's a really good point. So you also mentioned that if you're in a branch office, you're much more likely to, to lose your job. So if you do end up working at a branch office of a law firm, is there anything you can do to make yourself more valuable to the home office or to try to make sure that your job is preserved in the event of, uh, of downsizing or restructuring? Yeah, it depends on the branch office you're in. So some branch offices are exceptional and others aren't very good of the firm. But if it, I would say one of the most important things to do if you are in a branch office is to be known as much as you can be to partners and other people in the main office. And and then to form relationships there, because that has something to do with access to work. If you're a partner or if you're an associate, it also has to do with access to work. It has to do with relationships. And so you need to try to have as many relationships as you possibly can with people, hopefully in the main office. And if you're in a branch office, other offices, the problem with branch offices is they're just often an afterthought for the main office. And if they're not profitable, the the main office will often just close them right down. Now, this is not specifically covered in the, the article, but what I'm wondering is, do, do you think there's a parallel for people who are working from home or working remotely? Are they in the same situation as people who are in a branch office? And should they be taking some of those same steps? People that are in a branch office, everybody should be doing the, in a branch office. A branch office, you need to be, you need to be visible to the leadership of the firm. Yeah. So people who are working remotely should also go out of their way to be more visible and become more known. Excellent. Now, it, it, it always, any attorney is capable of making a mistake, right? Like to err is human, but mm -hmm. how bad of a mistake would result in you losing your job? Or if you do make a mistake, what can you do to try to make sure you don't lose your job? People make mistakes all the time. And, and I think that, I think it's overdoing it to say, if you make a mistake, you're going to lose your job. But it depends if the law firm completely loses trust in you because of your mistake. If you've lost a case because of a mistake, if a law firm realizes that it's, it's a very serious mistake that no one in their right mind should be make, making, or they feel that way, then that can create a lot of, a lot of issues. And so you just need to be, you need to be very careful of making mistakes, especially if they're mistakes that you just should not have made. Right. Now, one point that we want to talk about is that if you are in a practice area that's no longer profitable, then you're more likely to lose your position. And, and that makes sense. 
how can you predict whether your law firm is going to be profitable in a few years? Or if you start to see that your practice area is taking a downturn, what can you do to protect your job or to make a change just to protect your livelihood? Some practice areas are just for the law firm may not be profitable. And a lot of times those are because of just changes in the, the legal market, or they may be uh, because of the law firm has moved into more profitable practice areas. It, there's just all sorts of reasons for that. And Things are cyclical as well. In the, when the economy's bad, corporate's often bad. When the economy's in different times, IP litigation used to be one of the most popular and pro profitable practice areas, and now it's not as much. So all these things can really have an impact on your, the, your security. And, and if the law firm feels that the practice area isn't doing well, then they'll often cut back on the people there. Yep, that's definitely understandable. Well, that covers all the points that we had to talk about today. So is there anything else that you wanted to discuss or any other advice? No, it looks like this is a fairly popular article. So I'm assuming that one of the things that people have questions about is if I've lost my job, is my career over and stuff? And of course it's not, it's ridiculous. People make mistakes and bad things happen to good people or you're in the wrong place or the wrong culture. So there's, it's nothing really to worry about. They're all just learning lessons and you have to learn where your place is. And regardless of how bad you think you've fallen, everyone can recover. It's, it's funny because legal career can take place over a few years. Sometimes people only stay with it a couple of years. But in most cases, if you graduate from law school at the age of 25, you can be practicing law 60 years later. I know attorneys that have moved firms in their 80s. It's the idea that two and a half times your lifetime that you've already lived is ahead of you if you've made mistakes when you're young or twice your lifetime. It's crazy. So you just have to learn from your lessons and keep going. And that's the best advice I can give. That is really good advice. I'll leave it at that. So thank you for <laughs> all the wisdom and we look forward to the next one. All right. Thanks.